How should you evaluate Pitt's offense right now and why Pitt should probably be the runaway favorite for the ACC Coastal? We'll talk about all that today on this episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nick Fairborn. Today's episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And folks, been on a little bit of a hiatus, been a little sick, didn't want to sound like trash up here. Uh, to give you guys a good show, I wanted to make sure that I sounded about as good as I can, getting over it now. So we're good to go. And I, I want to talk about this Pitt-Georgia Tech game a little bit. But I also want to talk about the standing of the ACC Coastal and, and where everything begins as Pitt heads into their ACC schedule now as they face Georgia Tech, their first ACC opponent of the season. But I think first... I want to look at this pit offense because I keep hearing a lot of discussion around this pit offense and if it's good or not or how you should evaluate it. It's a tough offense to evaluate for a few reasons. One, the offense has just been so injured. Rodney Hammond, Keaton Slovis, Nick Patty. You have Jared Wayne banged up. Gavin Bartholomew's now banged up. You've missed the off- a few offensive linemen at different times. It has been injury after injury after injury for this unit. And so it's it's tough to completely put this offense into view. We don't truly know what this offense is yet. I think that is becoming very clear. But I also would say this. Let's just look at a few stats about this offense to me and what potentially they show. First of all, I keep hearing that they're not an explosive offense. Folks, they have 28 explosive plays through four games, and only six of those came against Rhode Island. They're fine in the explosive play department. It's not Pickett to Addison. I understand it's not the outward flashiness that a Kenny Pickett-led offense had, but they're explosive. They're explosive on the ground. They're explosive through the air. They've done it on both avenues. This team can be explosive and eat up chunks of yards and get after it. I think that has become very clear. I think it's become very evident very quickly that Pitt's offense can be explosive, and that's a good thing. You always want to have the explosive mode. It's cool to chain out 14-play drives that go for eight minutes, and Pitt's done that, but it's even better when you can score quickly and you can come back from 14 points in 10 minutes, and and that's what Pitt can do. They can score – on any play because they have proven that they are explosive. 28 plays of 15 or more yards through four games is a good number. That's a really good number for Pitt. So I think that's a really promising one. A less promising one that I would point out, 97th in red zone efficiency. They only score on about 77.8% of their red zone offense. And on even less than that, they only score on about 48% of them touchdown-wise, which is not great. Um, That both ranks in the 90s um, in the NCAA right now. So that is something you want to see get up. So here's the thing. 
there's two things that are really good. They're explosive, but also they aren't necessarily converting in the red zone. Now, some of those missed field goals have contributed to that number, but the touchdowns need to come better too. They need better short yardage play calling. They need better short yardage conversion rates in the red zone. There's no doubt about it. When the short yardage areas get tough, Pitt has to be better there. I will say this. They've run the football a ton in this this early arena thus far. They ran it a lot against Tennessee because of the Keen Slovis injury in the sec, uh, in the second half specifically. They ran it a lot. They ran a lot against Western Michigan. They ran it a lot against Rhode Island. Those game plans had a specific game plan to get out of those games with wins and make it not appear that flashy. And it wasn't that flashy. Let's be real. It wasn't that flashy. But they did a nice job, and they won with those game plans. Now, I don't think they can beat these ACC teams with that game plan. And there are certain ACC teams that they might be able to beat. Georgia Tech is one of them. We'll talk about that in another episode tomorrow about Georgia Tech and why Pitt's probably going to go into a similar game plan uh, that they've worked the past two weeks against Georgia Tech. But they've run the ball well. They've run with efficiency. Izzy Abanikana has been great, and the offensive line's been run blocking at a pretty high level. So they've been able to run the ball really well and really efficiently. And I think that's been the big thing thus far for me is, well, the rushing offense for Pitt has just been really efficient. And you look at their rushing attempts. They average 42 rushing attempts. That's 19th in the nation, folks. I mean, that is up there in the tops of Power 5 teams. You look at Power 5 teams that are above them. You have Minnesota, Ole Miss, Illinois, and that's it outside of Kansas State and Baylor. So Pitt's in the top 10 for Power 5 teams in terms of rush attempts. They had 50 against... Rhode Island, of course, and that is another thing. That's two straight games now where they've had 50 and 50, um, 50 rush attempts. So it's a lot of rushing attempts in your last two games. It's 100 rushing attempts for Pitt in the last two games. So they've really racked that up, <clears throat> but it's it's not going to be that stark when you put it in the West Virginia, West Virginia and Tennessee context because you look at those contexts and you say, well, Different game plans are going to require different things. Now, they tried to run the football a lot against West Virginia. They realized that wasn't going to work. So they went to a more spread out passing offense. They carried that into week two against Tennessee. I think that this is an offense that has many different modes. And I largely believe that. And I I keep hearing a lot of criticism for Frank Signetti. I think he's done a really nice job, to be quite honest with you. I think he's put his players in positions to win with the personnel they have against the opponents they have. Against Western Michigan and Rhode Island, running the football was probably the best option. You didn't need to to air the ball out. Against Tennessee, you needed to air the ball out. So they did air the ball out. (laughs) Against West Virginia, you're kind of learning your team. You thought you could run the football, but the front of West Virginia was really good, and so they stifled you. And so you stood up and said, okay, we got to throw the football more. We will. And so they did. I think that's been one of the cool things about Frank Signetti is that he's been really doing a nice job of adjusting in-game when he's needed to. Um, Whatever needs to change, he has done well. He adjusted at halftime, obviously, to try to get Nick Patty in a rhythm, and then they just had to run the football because Patty ended up getting injured, but they were starting to open it up a little bit there, too. We've seen them in different modes. I'm not sure we're going to learn a ton about them this week because Georgia Tech is a horrific run defense. But listen, Frank Signetti has been a solid play caller thus far 
the Rhode Island game, you don't even need to throw into the bucket. I don't care that he called a million bubble screens. That was clearly a scrimmage-like environment for them, and they didn't need to air the ball out a ton. That wasn't what they were looking for at that time, and that's okay. Against Western Michigan, they were with a third-string quarterback. And when the third-string quarterback was allowed to throw the football, it accentuated his strengths, which were his downfield passing. I thought that was great. I think he's just done a nice job of building around his players and giving them opportunities to win where they win best. And I think that's been a really good sign for Pitt moving forward. But there are issues with this offense, clear issues that aren't schematic related to me and are more personnel related. And I want to talk about those. But first, folks, I'll let you know about Bet Online. Because, folks, if you want to bet on any game, you can go to betonline.net. It's your number one source for football betting info. This season, you can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And, folks, as always, BetOnline continues to be your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there. That line for Pitt, Georgia Tech, up to 24 points. Put down money if you think Pitt can cover that spread. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, events, including the MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, football, whatever you may want. Head to BetOnline.net and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit podcast as we're continuing to discuss this pit offense and kind of what the offense is. We don't truly know what they are. What's their strengths? I think they can do both. I think they can run the football. I also think that they can throw the football. I don't think they're inept at throwing the football. I think that has been the most key thing um, for me has been okay, well, they can actually end up airing it out. We saw that against Tennessee to me, is that you look at it and they can air it out and they can truly hit different areas of the field too. I thought they were multi-leveled in that attack. So I thought that was impressive. I think their deep passing needs to be a little bit better. Um, I just don't have a ton of faith right now in the wide receiving core. And that's something that I'll say. I think this receiving core needs to step it up. Now, we don't know what the status of Jared Wayne's going to be this week, and that's going to be a big factor in all of this. But these receivers thus far have not played all that well. And you look at Pitt's separation on tape. It's not there a ton. And that's been the one thing for me that's really been hurting this Pitt offense. These receivers have not stepped up to be as good as they have been in the past. Now, Jared Wayne has been great. Phenomenal player that has helped out Pitt a ton, but he took that hard shot against Western Michigan, didn't play last week. We'll see if he plays this week. I think part of it is a transitional period. I think Kanade Mumfield has shown the flashes of what we thought he could be. I don't think he's lived up to that just yet. He's had a few bad drops, but I think he's been open. And that's been something that I have noticed is that he has been open. But you just got to get consistency with that. And some of that, again, leaping up from the MAC to the ACC is not just going to be like that for everybody. There are some players that that'll be like that. But Mumfield doesn't necessarily have to be that guy. And it doesn't look like he is. But I think he's going to turn that corner. Uh, I think he saw that a little bit against Western Michigan where he made a few dependable grabs for Nate Yarnell. And I, I think he's turning the corner in that regard. Um, so 
I like what I'm starting to see out of Kanane Mumfield. I think by the season's end, we'll be talking about Kanane Mumfield as a pretty big contributor. But Bub Means has been another guy that has been all up and down, right? He looks like a guy that still is kind of learning the position a little bit. Doesn't run super crisp routes. Has a little bit of drop issues, but his size and his athleticism, it's definitely there. And so you have kind of this ability to hit a third gear with him that no one else at six foot four is going to have that he can definitely bring those downfield crisp, crisp opportunities and make those contested catches. So I think that's where he's going to be used more. We just haven't seen him used in a dependable manner yet. And he hasn't made those grabs quite yet, but he eats up ground very easily. Um, and I think that's been something that you look at. I still think he needs to work on, making those catches when he needs to he's had a few to, he's had a few really bad drops he's also had that a few weird fumbles thus far this year i just think he needs to work on his overall consistency from rep to rep there have been flashes where he's been there he's clearly got the talent i, I mean we're not talking about someone who is devoid of talent here he is a talented football player the question is just going to be can he get that consistency down and then outside of those three we just haven't seen anyone really step up. Jalen Barton hasn't had much of an opportunity to do so. He's your de facto speedster that could stretch the field, you thought, but he hasn't played much. Jaden Bradley has had the opportunity and played a lot against Rhode Island, but didn't do much with that opportunity. And so who's going to step up? Is it going to be Addison Copeland? Is it going to be Gavin Thompson? Is it going to be Chana Wobico? Is it going to be Miles Alston? Like, do they have to start going past number four and five, which is Barton and Bradley? Or do they give Barton more reps this week? I mean, that wide receiver room to me has to figure out who is number four and five. I think we know who number one, two, and three are. I think it's very clear. But the question is, well, who's going to be behind them? What if this injury bug hits the receiver room, even if Jared Wayne returns? And so, yes, you have to be patient. But who is going to step up? And is there anyone that can step up? I think that's going to have to be something that Taekwon Underwood and these coaches figure out. And if they need another guy, they're going to have to look for that guy. Because right now, it just appears to be a top three. And Bradley has consistency. It's just not a rough game against Rhode Island, no doubt. Um, he just is not completely been there yet i said at the beginning of the year i still think he's a year away from fully being there from fully being ready to contribute and i think that's true i think he still needs a year of polish on his routes i still think he just needs a year to slow the game down i think next year he'll be really good i think there's a lot to like about Jaden bradley i just don't think he's ready quite yet and so yeah i mean this team has talent at receiver. It's just where's the consistency. And then the other issue mainly is also the offensive line's pass protection. I think the run blocking has actually been really good these past two weeks. And I get it's Western Michigan and Rhode Island. But if they continue it up through the ACC schedule, and I think, honestly, there's a possibility they do. They look really good up front, cohesive. Um, but in pass pro, they have been up and down. Their quarterbacks have been getting hit. That has been something that has been a little disappointing thus far. I would like to see them work on their pass pro coming up here soon. So I think those two issues, you look at it, you look at the wide receiver play that has not really lived up to its fame just yet. And then 
those offensive line pass pro issues are the two issues with the offense. But this offense still looks pretty good, and they have multiple modes, and I think they're going to end up being a pretty good offense. I just think they're starting to get into a well-oiled type of of mood because they've had so many injuries, and regardless of the injuries, they had a lot of new parts coming in anyway. So I think they just kind of need to work out those kinks. But now I want to transition over to why Pitt should probably be the favorite in the ACC Coastal right now when you look at what everything is going on right now around the division. But first, folks, we're going to take a quick break. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast as we're discussing Pitt's standing here in the ACC Coastal. And listen, I know everyone thought Miami would be the main competition for the Panthers this year. Thus far, wow. I mean, the loss to AM is whatever. That's a good team out of the SEC that you knew was probably going to be a challenge for you. It's not necessarily a surprise that you would lose that game if you're Miami, but to come out and get walloped by Middle Tennessee State, I mean, man. That's just a brutal loss for Miami. And then, listen, the rest of the division is really not anything. It's really not. I mean, all the other good teams are over on the Atlantic side. Syracuse, the breakout team, Atlantic team. Wake Forest, Atlantic. Florida State, Atlantic. NC State, Clemson, those teams that you expect to be top, they're all in the Atlantic division, folks. They're all in the Atlantic division. And so, here's the thing. What do you do with this Coastal Division? Pitt's been the only team that has showcased an ability to compete with the tops of the top. Because they lost their top two quarterbacks. Essentially, Nick Patty playing on one foot and almost still beat Tennessee. They took them to town. Their defense has shown some growth. So, honestly, at this point, what do you do with the Coastal? Pitt has to be the favorite, right? Pitt beat a Power 5 team. They have beaten the two non-Power 5 teams they played handily, and they went toe-to-toe with the top 10 team, maybe the third best team in the SEC right now, behind only Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee, and they maybe could have won that game. So, really, what do you do with the coast other than, say, Pitt's in the front? Because Virginia Tech's in disarray. They just They need another year. They need another year. Before Brent Pry lets anything cook, they just need a year. Tony Elliott and Brennan Armstrong, who I thought were going to be the sleeper team to maybe get things going and potentially push Pitt just because they have a really, really solid group of weapons. I thought they might be the team, but they've been unimpressive, holy. UNC, Drake May and Josh Downs, and then a bunch of guys. I mean, literally... That team has a pretty good offense because Drake May looks great, but that defense is something bad. That is a bad defense, and it'll cause them to lose enough games to where you could be seeing a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five year from them. Duke, that's an interesting proposition. I think if there's one team to talk about, it's Duke. Riley Leonard looks tough. Mike Elko has them as a well-coached unit. I'm not sure the talent's completely there yet, and that might be the one issue for me. But I think Duke, they're well-coached. They have a tough quarterback with Moxie. I think Riley Leonard's a winner. I think that's going to be a big thing. I think he's someone to look out for in the future. I think that they have some things going for them. So I think the Blue Devils are kind of an interesting team. I'm, I'm not sure they're there yet, though. I still think they need to inject more talent into that program. 
but they are a team that if they get on a run, you could maybe see them as that team. Georgia Tech just fired Jeff Collins. I'm, am I supposed to believe that Georgia Tech's going to make some type of run? And and really, the biggest threat to Pitt right now has to be Miami still. I mean, listen, they lost to Middle Tennessee State, but none of their actual goals have been affected by that. Now, benching Tyler Van Dyke and starting Jake Garcia, I mean, who knows what the quarterback situation, but maybe there's enough talent on that team to where I think maybe you can reverse the ship. The defense has been really bad, too. That young defense that had a really nice young core, I mean, they've been very, very bad. So, I, I don't know what you completely do with the Coastal. Pitt just looks like the team, by far to me, that is the most consistent, maybe the most talented, and has the most upside of getting better. Pitt does not look like a team that has peaked. That's a good thing for Pitt. All the other teams in the Atlantic are the threats, but they're in the Atlantic. So Pitt only has to win the Coastal in order to make it to Charlotte. And that's something that's very important to Pitt's goals. Because Pitt right now, their defense looks solid. The offense was injured but they're going to start to get into a rhythm as long as everything doesn't completely self-destruct injury-wise around this team. I think Pitt's offense is going to start to get into a rhythm. Pitt has a lot of growth potential, and we're at week five. And this was a lot of what kind of drove Pitt last year to me. Look at the early games last year that Pitt played and how sloppy they were against UMass. Uh, even the Tennessee game, super sloppy in that game. That Western Michigan game was the springboard, obviously, that took them to the next level. But you saw the growth game over game of that unit. They were not a well-oiled machine, and they were much healthier than this pit team is right now. This pit team, though, has a lot of rungs to go up. Keen Slovis is a good college quarterback. Frank today, thus far, has been a very adaptive play caller. They clearly have talent offensively. They're going to get more talent back. Hopefully, none of the injuries that anyone has suffered are very long-term. We'll see about Gavin Bartholomew. But Rodney Ham should be back soon enough. Like, that will be a boost. It has great stable running backs with Vincent Davis, Sebo Flemister, Daniel Carter, and Hammond and Manny Kanda. You hope the receivers will find some level of consistency. Maybe they're starting to come around. So, and maybe you found something in Carter Johnson. I can't forget Carter Johnson, man. He had a really good game. He's had a few good games since coming back from that infection he had at the beginning of the season. He's just been a mauler in blocking. Been very impressive in that regard. So I think Pitches has the most upside of these teams. They're going to get healthier as the season goes on. They have a pretty they have signs of being a really solid team. They're not there yet, but there's a mold here of Pitt that shows them as a really solid overall team. And so I have to think they're favorites for the ACC Coastal right now so if Pitt doesn't win the ACC Coastal I guess you can blame me but listen I think they should win the ACC Coastal at this point as it appears right now Miami could get right I think they're more talented than any other team in the Coastal um, so I think Miami has that ability to get right and put this in the rearview mirror but you also have to think 
about the consistency and the growth potential. Pitt has a lot of that still, and they're three and one. And so I really put a lot of stock into what Pitt has right now moving up uh, into the season. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about Georgia Tech and the firing of Jeff Collins and how that could potentially change things. We'll be back talking about that, folks, as always. Thanks for listening, and as always, hail to Pitt.